But, you know, I feel like the important sort of data point, and, you know, Steve talks about it a lot. He's, he's going to probably talk about it a little more tonight, is that these, these are white Christians. That this is a state that is overrepresented over by white Christians that are going to participate in these tonight. caucuses, yes. especially tonight. Um, I today, earlier today, reached out to Robert Jones, Robbie Jones, um, from the Public Religion Research Institute, knowing that we were going to talk about Iowa. And this is a hyper evangelical st white state. And he said the following to me Iowa is about 61% white Christian. The country as a whole is approximately 41% white Christian. And in Iowa, we're talking about evangelical white Christians. And he said the following. Because I asked him, what do they get out of supporting Donald Trump? Because he keeps losing, he keeps delivering losses and losses and losses. And he said the following, they see themselves as the rightful inheritors of this country. And Trump has promised to give it yeah. back to them. All the things that we think about, about electability, about, you know, what are people gaming out, or mm -hmm. none of that matters when you believe that God has given you this country, that it is yours, and that everyone who is not a white conservative Christian is a, is a fraudulent American, is a less... less a less real American, then you don't care about electability. You care about what God has given you. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody, you might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, for episode 155. The day is, let me get the date. Today is January 17th, Wednesday, January 17th, year of our Lord, 2023. And today is our news episode for the week, starting off with Joy Ann Reed. I've said it before, I'll say it again. You can never trust a black woman who wears a white woman's wig, especially one that's cut down that short. I mean, that look is absurd. It's, it's ridiculous. It's obnoxious. It's especially, especially manipulative and, and disingenuous for... Joanne Reed to continue on her her, her racist diatribe uh, there on MSNBC, speaking uh, so pejoratively about evangelical white conservatives in America, and she's wearing a white woman's wig. It's, I mean, you know, you, you got to be completely detached from reality not to see yourself in the morning and, and understand how ridiculous that looks. I, I, I don't, I don't even, I don't even really know. I, I kind of start to think that they're making fun of her, that the people at MSNBC are making fun of her. I, I kind of think the higher-ups at MSNBC are making fun of all of the people who who work there because the things they say are, are so ridiculous. You, you would hope that, but what, what's, more, what's more likely the case is that these people in the Democrat Party or in the Democratic liberal order all really believe in these ideas, uh, you know, in, in a sort of vertical integration, which is scary. Scary to say the least. But anyway, you know, there, there's the message. It's it's bright and clear. Um, we've said it before. We've said it since the earliest days in the podcast when we showed the, uh, the Council on Domestic Terrorism, the National Security Council on Domestic Terrorism that was written up by Joe Biden in, in 2021, the White House and Joe Biden administration in, in 2021. And it outlined three people, three groups of people, three, three identities that were now uh, top of the list, 
numero uno on the domestic terrorist watch uh, list. And, and those three identities are people who deny elections, people who question elections, people who are hesitant about vaccines, and people who believe in God or Christians, and more specifically white Christians, which is kind of a cover story because if you're black and you believe in Christian, uh, and if, if you're black and you're a Christian or you believe in God and Christ and you're kind of just following your slave master, as Joy Ann Reed would put it, I'm, I'm, I'm the one who's tap dancing. I'm the one who's, who's selling out. I'm the one who is uh, Uncle Tom or Uncle Ruckus or all these other pejoratives they, they come up with for black conservatives or black Republicans or, or black Christians. I'm the one who's, who's towing some line. And you're on MSNBC on a daily basis wearing a white woman's wig. It's ridiculous. And, you know, even how I'm dressed today, you know, people would say this is this is how a white man dresses. I had one person. But 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 that's so that's just such a, a lack of 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 uh, of of history. And we see that constantly. Like I had one guy go in the comments and say that this hat right here is a is a Black Panther hat. And I'm going, man, you really have have no sense of of America's uh, clothing tradition, do you? Um, you know, but we'll we'll save that for another day. We'll we'll talk fashion and clothes another day because it's one of my it's one of my very few hobbies hobby passions is is uh, menswear and things like that. But how a man dresses shouldn't matter. I mean, how a man carries himself, what what a man puts on his body, uh, should be important. Now it shouldn't. It's it's not the be all end all. It shouldn't be your top priority if it is, and that's a sort of radical materialism as well. It's, it's just like you know whatever you decide to do with your hair. It's not the be all end all. But how you carry yourself does sort of suggest a sense of of pride um, or a sense of self respect. And there's a fine line between pride, which can always be uh, destructive, uh, and and self respect. And then love for oneself and and care about what other people think versus uh, letting what other people think define you. These things are 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 completely different, yet there is a fine line that that we almost walk. Those are some of the nuances that American citizens and people all over the world have to continue to to fight and struggle with uh, because it, it is a struggle. And I'm not sitting here on a high horse. Look, I know women have problems with their hair. I don't I get it. I get it. I had Four aunts that, you know, an aunt that owned a hair salon for an entire life. I, you know, I, I mean, for 30 plus years in the community. She owned the salon. She operated the salon. She she was a, a staple in the community through taking care of people's hair. I understand. I get it. Women have trouble with their hair. There are some women who have trouble growing their hair. There are some women whose hair never really grows the way they want it to through a number of uh, reasons. Genetic, uh, you know, scalp, disease, all kinds of things. I get it. It wouldn't be a problem for her to wear a white woman's hairpiece. It really wouldn't. I'm not saying that's the problem. Although, personally, I don't trust you if you wear a white woman's hairpiece. If you're a black woman wearing a white woman's hairpiece, I don't trust you. That's a personal preference. I'm not even I'm not even prescribing that for everybody out there. Actually, I did prescribe that for everybody out there, so I take that back. Don't trust a black woman who wears a white woman's hairpiece. If I was wearing uh, Stephen Colbert's hair, you guys wouldn't trust me, and you would be right not to. But that's a personal preference. I mean, I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek. The, the point is, when you wear a white woman's hairpiece and the entire 
you know, focus of your your political worldview and message to your audience is that white people are bad. It's ridiculous. That's what makes it ridiculous. That's what makes it. That's what makes it obnoxious. The sole, the sole focus of Joanne Reed's political message is that white people are bad. In this clip, it was white evangelical Christians are bad. White evangelical Christian conservatives are bad. White evangelical Christians who, in this instance, supported Donald Trump are bad. Yet, white people aren't bad enough for me to appropriate their hairstyle. It's ridiculous. Okay, so... We're going to get more into the show today, and I just want to say the the establishment are back at their old tricks, and and and, and you know we get to make a decision right now in the country. Make no make no you know mistake about it. The referendum is on us. I can say it until I'm blue in the face. You can hear it. You know sometimes it can go in one ear and out the other. You can want me to address gossip and and uh, uh, you know what do they call it? Uh, you know the latest headlines. You know. Entertainment. I'm not an entertainment commentator, okay? I can comment on entertainment just fine. And maybe one day I will. One day when the country's not on the brink of complete and utter destruction, annihilation. Then maybe there'll be time to, to, to comment on entertainment. I, I'll tell you one thing that's that's important from the entertainment world. The interview with Cat Williams and Shannon Sharp, who's another black bourgeoisie elite, um, but the interview with Cat Williams is exploding all over the internet, and I must say I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Is everything that Cat Williams say, say, said true? I don't know. I had to go back and fact check some of it, but on first pass, the spirit of it seems really genuine. And a lot of the things he said were true. And if if not, um, you know, if, if they weren't true, they, they had a, a certain spirit of honesty to them. Uh, and, and we need that now. And we sp- certainly need it in the black community. And if you're not familiar with Cat Williams, as a comedian, Cat Williams has for a long time uh, dominated his own his own uh, lane of, of stand-up comedy. Since some of his first movie, obviously, The Great Ice Cube, owner of The Big Three, who's the you know, co-founder of The Big Three and you know, a friend of mine, somebody who I consider family, he's a part of The Big Three family which will be resuming this summer and, and, you know, Ice Cube's making his rounds. So the big three is sure to continue to grow like it did last summer. We had huge viewership on CBS and Ice Cube is, is one of the few league owners that allows me to speak my mind politically without, without repercussion or ramification, without consequence. And in fact, really supports me in a lot of the things. And obviously he and I um, share similar views on a lot of things from a political standpoint, but uh, Ice Cube, you know, uh, was, the one who gave Cat Williams uh, one of his early roles that that really sprung him onto the scene, uh, onto the onto the main stage in in the movie Friday After Next, and it's a movie that in the black community we come up watching, you know, all 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 throughout. You'd be tough pressed to find uh, a young black man that grew up in the inner city, that grew up in the neighborhood, that isn't familiar with the with the Friday um, trilogy. Uh, and there's always the request to to do another Friday and to bring Chris Tucker back and and to have Cat Williams and Mike Epps and all these you know rich rich black uh, comedians uh, in in on that that project. Hopefully that'll happen one day. But but if it doesn't, the the three that Ice Cube gave us were great. 
But Cat Williams really burst onto the scene. And then, uh, you know, Cat Williams' stand-up career went to another level in and of itself. Um, I mean, you know, there was a, there was a moment in, in recent history when Cat Williams, from an economic standpoint, from a tour standpoint, from, a, from a, um, an independent success standpoint, was the, you know, the most successful comedian, the biggest comedian in America. It's for sure the biggest black comedian in America. Um, and so, you know, you know, there are a lot of great black comedians, don't get me wrong. And Cat Williams is right up there. Uh, and I said over the weekend, after watching uh, some of the interview with Cat Williams and seeing a lot of the clips go viral, um, that it'd be awesome to have a, a Dave Chappelle and Cat Williams tour. Uh, and hey, maybe Dave Chappelle and Cat Williams wouldn't agree on everything. Maybe they're not even friends. I don't know. I don't, I don't give a shit. I'm just watching. I just know of both of them. From a comedic standpoint, Dave Chappelle's in a league of his own in many regards, probably as good, if not better, than Richard Pryor. And Richard Pryor was great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Richard Pryor is considered by many to be the greatest of all time. I wouldn't argue that. I really don't give a shit much about greatest of all time lists. I think they're a little obnoxious themselves. But um, Dave Chappelle's definitely etched his name in the history books right up there at the top when it comes to, to stand-up comedy. Uh, and it'd be cool because obviously Dave Chappelle has ruffled the feathers of the establishment in many ways, in ways that that are healthy. And Cat Williams has just now done the same with an interview with Shannon Sharp that is, I mean, even by YouTube standards, even by any interview standards, has gone four or five times viral. I mean, the, the interview is almost up to 70 million views, I think, the last time I saw it, um, which is just un, un, unreal. Um, so. I'm excited. I'm excited about where we are, but I'm not willing to just talk about entertainment. I mean, you know, in, in that sense, you know, when we talk about Cat Williams or c comedy or celebrities that are uh, involved in political discussions, fine, fine. Um, but still, I still just see too much commentary on, on things that make no difference, that, that really don't come to bear on, on what we're dealing with today. Uh, and, and in that way, it becomes a distraction. And, and what's scary about it is that our politics have mimicked our entertainment. The political uh, culture in America mimics entertainment in a way where politics becomes a distraction. The business of politics, the commercial of politics, the, the commentary of politics becomes a distraction from the real issue. So you have the distraction of entertainment that's as grand as you possibly could construct uh, as, a, as an intelligent species that we know of thus far. I don't know, maybe they have some grander form of entertainment on, on some other planet or in some other solar system, or maybe we're the grandest form of entertainment for some other species, intelligent species right now. I don't know. Not making a comment on aliens or extraterrestrials. We'll talk about that some other day. Um, but my point is, the entertainment industry itself is as grand and sophisticated in its distraction as you possibly could imagine. I mean, they have executed, they have completed that objective. And they're very open in saying it. If you watch the Social Dilemma documentary where the, the, uh, the whistleblowers, you could say, of big tech talk about how they used uh, the, the research of, of, of the, the field of, of psychology to construct social media in a way that would, would, would have it be as addictive as possible. And so you take a social media platform, you take the platform of the internet and social media, 
or the, the platform of the internet, the advent of social media, and you pack the sophistication of entertainment on top of it, and people have trouble separating or, or, or unplugging from, from the 24-7, 365-day spectacle. And then you add the politics, which has become entertainment in and of itself. And we're having a real tough time getting down to the root issues. But the human spirit yearns for that. The human spirit yearns for, for the truth. And that's, that's my opinion. I think God built uh, human beings to, to yearn for the truth. And, and that, that maps on to a Christian belief that, that our soul, uh, you know, longs for God. We, we long for a relationship with God, for, for the love and grace of God, and all things are pointed back towards God, uh, even, even evilness and wickedness. Um, it's all pointed back towards God, which Joy Ann Reed doesn't seem to understand from her opening uh, bid there on, on MSNBC. But, but given that all things are pointed back toward God, we long for the truth. I mean, we, we, you know, no matter how distracted we become, you know, time is, is time is, is different for God than it is for us. So we can become distracted for, for generations. We can become distracted for, for hundreds of years. We can become distracted as a nation. We can become distracted as, as a certain group of people or a certain community that can happen, but the human spirit longs for the truth. And so when a cat Williams breaks through the, the, the matrix, so to speak, and, and has a, an interview with a, a, a prominent person, a prominent entertainer like, like Shannon Sharp. Um, and it resonates with people, of course it's going to explode. And we need more of that. And trust and believe that the establishment right now, behind the scenes, is looking for ways to try and, and slow the momentum of Cat Williams' Um, um, Cat Williams draw right now. They're going to work on Cat Williams right now, whether it be character assassination, whether it be some legal issue, whether it be trying to railroad him professionally so that he can't go on tour again or whatever, or it may even be trying to smuggle some misinformation in to Cat Williams to, to you know, take him off the path of truth. And that's something else we got to become familiar with. Like this idea that, that the, uh, that taking people down is going to come in totality. That's not how it always works. If I was the intelligent, if you were in the intelligence community, would you just start whacking out every single person that stepped up to tell the truth? Don't you think people would start to catch on and go, Oh, wait a minute. You know, th that's what the, that's what the establishment and the deep state are struggling with right now. They have to find new creative ways to discredit people who are telling the truth because the truth is, is bubbling up and spilling over so much. It's, it's, it's like whack-a-mole. Okay. So the best way to do it is to increase the distraction so that no matter what truth you hear, it'll never really catalyze into action. Or we have to find ways to discredit people that doesn't seem viscerally, uh, you know, uh, corrupt and wicked or, or, you know, um, dishonest to, to the, the broader public. And so one of the ways to do that is, you know, I don't even have to bring up some legal charges on you, although I could. I don't have to, I don't have to uh, assassinate your character, which I, which I could. Um, I can just have somebody close to you or, or 
plant somebody close to you or even through technology and the Internet, through, through surveillance, which we know the deep state has the capacity to do, and, and that big tech in many cases will aid in a bed, I can look at what you're looking at or, or what you're browsing, and I can try and, and try and smuggle in information that will start to change the way you think about things and thus the way you talk about things. Now, Cat Williams is a smart individual, so, so I would think that, that you know, they would have a tougher time doing it with him than they would with most, but you'd be surprised. I mean, I think everybody would be surprised at just how sophisticated disinformation can really be. And if you don't understand that, all you have to do is be brave enough and, and have enough courage to, to, to take a few evenings and do a deep dive into the history of the intelligence community and their operations and their psychological operations and how well they were able to execute them. Remote viewing. I mean, you know, this, this is what I'm saying. We're focused on the NFL playoffs. I'm thinking about remote viewing. I'm thinking about the CIA. I'm thinking about the fact that Donald J. Trump just won in Iowa. And what that really, what, what, what that implies. What, what, what will that prompt from the establishment? We know they're going to carry forward with the, with the legal proceedings to try and convict Donald Trump on any number of these indictments. We know that. Um, we know Yuval Noah Harari, who I have a clip from today. We'll see if 60 Minutes allows it. If not, you can watch the clip and then go find it for yourself, and, and uh, I'll still comment on it here in the podcast. But sometimes they, they don't let us use certain people's content. Like I try to run the PBS Frontline interview with Steve Bannon, and they, the PBS wouldn't, wouldn't allow it. So, um but but anyway, I mean, you know, it's it's Donald Trump wins. We don't know what they're gonna do. We we know Yuval Noah Harari, or maybe yes, Yuval Noah Harari. We know Yuval Noah Harari already said it. It's very likely that Donald Trump will win, and that'll be the end of of the of globalism. And six years ago, Yuval Noah Harari had a, a TED Talk that you can look up on YouTube, uh, easily find on YouTube, where he explained that the new divide for human beings are the ideas of nationalism versus globalism. I mean, they come right out and say it. So, you know, and it's the, globalism isn't a conspiracy theory. Nationalism isn't, isn't solely racist. Although some people may try and make that that distinction, but the higher up intellectuals of your of your uh, political movements, they understand exactly what the difference is between nationalism and globalism, and and the the real the real differences between nationalism and globalism, not the cooked up differences that that the Joanne Reeds are are sent down from on high to to make you think a certain way about not not that version the real version the real the real uh, implication of nationalism versus globalism so donald trump wins caucus in iowa by a landslide and nikki haley all of a sudden says that the, you know the, the the people of iowa have shown that there's only a that this is only a two-person race this is now a two-person race and she came in third now, she came in third by, I don't know, 2% or whatnot, but she came in third, and neither her or Ron DeSantis were even close. And they spent a lot of money to lose in grand fashion. And that's another thing we need to talk about. We need to talk about the obscene amount of money dumped into our 
our politics. We've talked about it before, but I don't, I don't think people quite grasp the, the, the insult to the American people, the indictment of the American people, that, that your political elites actually believe that politics should be decided by money. The, the very idea that politics should be decided by money is an indictment of our political culture writ large. Because if politics can be decided by money, anything can be bought and paid for. And the people with the most money, the people with the most influence, the people who can aggregate the biggest, the biggest lobby of others with the most money can influence your politics. Now, what they, and this is what they don't like about Donald Trump, and this is what they don't like about MAGA. It's a bottom-up movement. It's a grassroots movement. It's people who are fed up. It's the working man. It's the, it's the poor, the, the working poor who've had a belly full. We are the backbone of the MAGA movement. It's not a money-driven movement. And right now, they're trying to find a way to go and, and recruit whatever candidates they can who they can give money to in order to distract the MAGA, uh, the, the America First, the, the conservative Republican movement from the task at hand, borders, forever wars, the national debt. Simple. Simple. I don't need $100 million. I shouldn't need $100 million in Minnesota to win a Senate race juxtaposed to Amy Klobuchar and her record or history in the United States Senate. I, I shouldn't need $100 million to win that, that fight, to win that race. All I should have to do is be able to go door to door across the state of Minnesota Door-to-door -door across the state of Minnesota and tell the American people, tell the, 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 the residents in the great state of Minnesota that the three top priorities of this movement are the national debt, making sure you don't become a serf to a political, a global political scientific managerial elite, national debt, the border, making sure that your citizenship is indeed valued by flooding the, the nation with labor, okay? And forever wars, making sure you don't become poor, making sure you don't become a serf, uh, that, that the working class don't become serfs through the government, your political elite, your scientific managerial political elite, using both the border and the debt to service their geopolitical empire games. Very, very simple. Now, we want to do other things as well. We got to get the elections cleaned up. We know that the, there's the possibility for corruption and, and, and you know, uh, any number of things in the elections, whether it be, whether it be uh, the, the machines themselves or whether it be the intelligence community collaborating with the federal government and the people who currently sit in political office to, to disinform the American public right before a presidential election, that would be considered election tampering as well. The FBI saying that the, Joe that the Hunter Biden laptop is fake days before the election, which is dumb because if... If you really ask me, it, really it's dumb. Really it just shows you how desperate and dishonest they are on face value. Because if you ask me, I think the people who watch Joy and Reed every night don't care if the Hunter Biden laptop is, is real or not. If you really ask me, I'm just telling you the truth. I don't really think they care. I, don't th I think all the, the, the means justify, the end justifies the means with these people. Now, they may care how it looks, they, they may care about the perception enough 
to deviate from their plan A to plan B, C, or D, and that may be worthwhile. I'm not saying that it's not. They may care enough about the perception of integrity to deviate from plan A and then go on to plan B, C, and D, and that can be beneficial. So there is some strategic value uh, you know, in us trying to expose certain elements of, of their corruption. But if you really ask me, I think they're fighting a spiritual war many, many layers deeper than the policy. I really do. And that's why the three, the three issues that I just laid out, the debt, the border, and the wars, all have a biblical and Christian basis. They're not solely based in politics. They're not based in materialism. That's why I had AJ on to give that that um, more scholarly theological perspective from the Catholic view on you know on on economic implications when it comes to your Christian identity. Yeah, the four sins that cry out for vengeance: absolutely murder, oh, forever wars, yeah, uh, sodomy, you know, unnatural sex acts. I mean, we could we could talk about the border in that regard. We could talk about human trafficking. We could talk about Jeffrey Epstein. We can talk about drugs and the and the perversion that drugs cause in our communities. We can talk about all the, but most importantly, the economic implications, the oppression of the poor. The oppression of the poor is one of the four sins that cry out for vengeance. Cry out to heaven for vengeance. And last but not least, cheating a working man of his wages. Two of the four sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance have to deal with politics and economics. So for all of you 501c3 Christian Protestants out there who want to say scripture, 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 but then turn around and say the political doesn't matter, how do you square the two? How do you square the two? How do you, how do you justify not being involved in the political process? When there is a biblical basis for being involved in the political process. There is a biblical basis for the money, the economics, the, the, the policy. I shouldn't have to raise $100 million. I shouldn't have to raise $100 million in order to, for you, the American people, to understand the referendum and choose yourself. Vote, do, do, it out of self, do it out of selfishness. I tell my young players all the time, the, 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 the young guys that, that I help coach and, and, and mentor in the basketball, on the basketball side of things, I tell them all the time, play the right way out of selfishness. Play the right way because when a college coach watch, he knows what it means to play the right way. Play the right way because you're going to be more successful and productive when you play the right way. Play the right way because it's going to help you feel better inside. Mentally, it's going to help you. Uh, it's, going to, it's going to make you healthier. It's going to improve your well-being when you play the right way. And part of playing the right way comes from playing with the right mindset the right mentality. And even when you start to build a certain mentality uh, as an athlete or as a basketball player, it starts to have, it starts to have uh, benefits beyond the game of basketball. Like it's had for me. And there are guys out there in the world who 
<clears throat> play sports, who, who are athletes, who play basketball <clears throat> at a very high level in the NBA, who have the, uh, the, the characteristics, who have the fundamental qualities, the fundamental uh, mindset from being an athlete to make great leaders. I'm not talking about who your athletes are today. I'm not talking about the ones who the establishment have gotten to and who have already brainwashed and tricked. I'm not talking about that. Although some of them will wake up when they're given permission to by others with courage and, and become leaders who we never thought they could be. But there are some already amidst the, amidst the, uh, you know, amidst the crowd of athletes and entertainers who are ready to step into leadership. I mean, they're just, they're just a, a, a click away. And when I say click away, I mean, they're just a click away from the internet, on the internet of finding the information that will unravel this entire lie that's been told by this, this neoliberal, neocon world order. And before I go on to my next clip, I, I want to say in this same vein, we have to be very, very careful not to get caught up in uh, 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 purity tests, okay, especially when it comes to being in a crisis. I mean, the, the purity test thing is, is sort of a luxury. It's, it's sort of a self-indulgence. It's a, it's a self-absorption is really what it is. Now, are there things that should disqualify people, for, for, uh, you know, in their past? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's your decision. If, if you think something in somebody's past should disqualify them from waking, I mean, you're doing a better job. You, you, listen, <laughs> I mean, if you think you're God, then so be it. Listen, all homosexuals that want to renounce the, their homosexual ways and, and give over to God and Christ, we welcome that. All, uh, all blasphemers, all people who, who didn't believe in God, you know those who have who those who have lied, killed, and steal and and and, and robbed. Who want to come to the 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 church? Who want to come before God and ask for forgiveness and repent? We welcome that. We should welcome that. We should encourage that. What we've done more than anything in the churches is build a wall. Uh, and, and it's not a wall based on righteousness. It's a wall based on condemnation. And I'm not saying that we're not right to condemn certain acts. And that's the thin veil that we've that that's the thin veil that we've created. We've actually allowed the acts into the church and said that we are we're, we're doing it to not condemn. No, we need to condemn, but we also need to allow people to feel as though they can come and and be forgiven. That's one of the sole basis of Christianity. It is the sole basis. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. All you need do is, is give over to Christ and, and ask for forgiveness and repent, and, and you can have it. You know, so again, and I only say this not in reference to the, the LGBTQ Satanists. I'm not saying that we should start letting Satanists come into the church and, and erect statues of, 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 uh, of uh, uh, the Baphomet or Moloch in our churches. That's not right. That would be a hard line we could easily draw and say, condemnation. Nope, that, we're not doing it. What I'm talking about are more nuanced examples, like Dr. Martin Luther King. And the other day I saw a bunch of people 
show us who they really are. And then they can de- they can debate me. They can disagree. They can say what they want. I'm oh I'm always open. And if you notice, not too many people actually want to get in the ring with me. And I'm not talking about fighting. I'm talking about the the intellectual ring. Jason Whitlock, Jason Whitlock ran off like a scared woman. Blocked me on Twitter. Haven't heard from him since. Don't even want to mention my name because his entire audience knows. He doesn't have the intellectual, the intellectual chops to, to defend his position on any number of things, but certainly the situation that took place between us. He doesn't have the chops to do it. But it's not just him. It's a lot of these people. They, they don't want to they don't want to cross swords. They don't want to they don't want to cross perspectives. Because I, I, I cut straight through the noise and go straight to the signal. I'm all signal, no noise. There ain't no, there ain't no bullshit in my game. It's just, it just straight down the middle. And I saw a lot of people the other day. I don't need to name names. You know the names. I will say some names if you didn't know the names. Fuentes, Stu Peters, you know, some other people as well. I think even Charlie Kirk I saw. Maybe even Jack Posobiec. I don't even know. I think somebody told me Jack Posobiec was saying it. And I like Posobiec. Don't get me wrong. I really do. He's one of the, he's one of the, one of the, one of us. And just because I say your name and disagree with you doesn't mean you're disqualified in, in any final and total manner. But I am going to call people out when they say shit that's dumb. And this shit right here is as dumb as it gets. To use secure, to use a disgraced intelligence community's Information, leaked documents, surveillance to uh, discredit the merit of the ideas of Dr. Martin Luther King is hypocritical, to say the least. I mean, just on face value, it's hypocritical. But beyond hypocritical, it's dumb. It's stupid. Look, I don't, if, if, if Martin Luther King was a, uh, a philanderer, okay, a serial adulterer, as they said. Uh, if he was an undercover communist, if he didn't believe in the in the resurrection of Christ, or any of these things that that are often often said about him to to discredit him. If I need that, first of all, they may all be true. I, I wasn't there. I don't know. They may all be true. But if I need the FBI, if I need surveillance from the intelligence community to verify those things, then I'm back at square one. Why? Because I have enough, enough evidence, enough hard evidence about the, the integrity and the, the reliability of the intelligence community to know I shouldn't listen to the shit that they say. I don't care who it's about. I don't care what narrative it services. If I need the intelligence community to verify things, I'm out. So that's number one. You can't currently be saying that we should be thinking about deconstructing the entire Federal Bureau of Investigations and other similar intelligence or security state agencies and then ex post facto still use their leaked documents or surveillance to go back retroactively and discredit Dr. Martin Luther King. And 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 you want and what? And we're supposed to believe that you don't know? That's only going to hurt you with the black and minority vote. It's not only going to hurt you with the black vote. It's going to hurt you with the minority vote. 
Just in so don't tell me it's strategic. Don't talk about political strategy. Don't don't bring up the map and talk about where you can win and where you can't win and blue states and red states and deep blues and red and deep reds and blah blah blah. Don't tell me about constituencies and demographics and you want to be all mathematical and analytical when it comes to politics when it when it when it suits you and then all of a sudden when when Dr. Martin Luther King's legacy comes up you throw the strategy right out of the door. I mean, I, I, some of you conservatives, I'm starting to look at you and say, you know, what, who, who the fuck are you working for? We're going to, we're going to, we're, Donald Trump's already swinging the minority vote. You can hear it f come from the zeitgeist. You can hear it throughout the internet. You can hear it from the town square. People, and, and this is why the Noah Yuval Hararis are already predicting that Donald Trump will win. Anybody who, who takes a hatchet to the progress that has been made with the black or other minority group vote in favor of Donald Trump, Latinos for Donald Trump, blacks for Donald Trump, uh, you know, uh, all, all of them. Anybody who goes to work on that progress with something as stupid as trying to, uh, you know, besmirch Dr. Martin Luther King in public, for what reason? First off, you weren't there. I mean, it's no more appropriate that I would allow the FBI to discredit Dr. Martin Luther King than I would allow them to discredit Donald Trump. Or if we want to go back even further, to discredit, uh, you know, George Washington. Because it is the same group of people that's trying to discredit all three. And, and you need to understand that. Not only were they going after Dr. Martin Luther King, or did they go after Dr. Dr. Martin Luther King, they're going after Donald Trump. But even more importantly, it's the same security state that sees the foundational beliefs and values of this country as a threat to their agenda. And that's them going after George Washington. And let's go a layer deeper, even if the things that they're saying are true. That doesn't mean that I that that doesn't mean that it discredits the ideas. And this is something even more important you all have to get through your fucking head. There are ideas that, that, that have a value that transcend the person who say them. This has a Christian basis. The basis of your, the, the basis of the validity in our scripture as Christians is that there are always two authors. There's the divine author and the human author, and the human author may have uh, any number of flaws, any number of sins that, are, that have yet to be repented for. Any time is not linear. The past and the future are happening at the same time. So if your prophets or messengers may make mistakes in the future, as King David did when, when he slayed Goliath in the future, he had already coveted Bathsheba. But the things he was called to do by God still stood. And they stood the test of time. And when you try and make it seem like every messenger has to be pure, you're, you're not only discrediting Dr. King, you're discrediting the United States Constitution. You dumb fuck. Are you stupid? And I thought, the black, I thought black people had low IQ. Or maybe it's just my Norwegian side that's a little smarter than, than, than average, huh? Are you people dumb as a, are you dumb as fuck? I thought I had, I thought the black man was supposed to have the low IQ. Can't you see what they're doing? 
Can't you see what they're playing on? And racism isn't a problem in this country. You go after Dr. King's legacy. Uh, honestly, all I got to do is listen to what Dr. King said. All I got to do is listen to what he, what, read what he wrote. I don't have to know who the man was sleeping with. I don't have to know because the ideas stand on their own merit. It's like, again, this is used, this is being used to wage a war on Christians wholesale. Because the thing, the same thing can and has been said about the inception of this country, and it's used to undermine the Constitution. Well, if you're really a Christian, I mean, how can you believe in the United States Constitution when, when Thomas Jefferson or, or George Washington were deists or they were Freemasons? You, you, you see where we're going? And if they were Freemasons, then they were obviously influenced by, by Jews. <laughs> or, or, you know, you, you see what I'm saying? Right? I mean, and so we wonder why, the, why there's such a lack of patriotism. You people are fucked three ways to Sundays trying to find a smoking gun when the ideas on their own merit are right in front of you and you suffer from such an epidemic of self-doubt, you don't even have the balls to stand up and separate the two. It's easy for me to separate the two. I can separate Thomas Jefferson saying the price of freedom is death or that if you or Benjamin Franklin saying if you if you trade your your freedom for security, you will have neither and deserve neither and them having slaves. I can separate those two with great ease. In fact, it's the Joy Ann Reeds that don't want me to separate the two. So what's the difference between you and Joy Ann Reed when you get down to that level? What's the difference between you and Yuval Noah Harari when you get down to that level? There is no difference. And this is where the Uniparty is not just a group of moderate political elites in the middle who shake hands and steal money from the American taxpayer. The Uniparty is the entire spectrum of people who are caught up in in any number of psychological operations any number of psychological uh, mechanisms that are that are in, that are nothing else but divisive and i don't say divisive in a woke way i mean dividing people from the truth i don't need to know again yeah, did thomas jefferson have slaves yeah Yet, does that discredit the United States Constitution? No. Was Dr. Martin Luther King sleeping with hookers? I don't know. Maybe. Actually, it's much more verifiable that Thomas, Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson's flaws are more verifiable than Dr. Martin Luther King's flaws. When you really get down, I mean, if you want to go uh, uh, line for line, the flaws of our founding fathers are much more based in historical evidence than the flaws of a Dr. Martin Luther King. The, the flaws of Dr. Martin Luther King are mostly hearsay, especially of the, of the, uh, the social or sexual type, sexual politics. Now we're going to play sexual politics when it comes to Dr. King? Who next? Malcolm X? It's the same sexual politics they're playing with Donald Trump. Don't you see it? And they want to get you caught up in tit for tat. That's why I didn't like the whole thing where Joe Biden, you know, is a, Joe Biden's daughter said that Joe Biden showered. I don't give a fuck about that shit. You know, go take that shit over to the, 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 the right wing commentators who are caught up in the jerk off. I don't give a fuck about what Joe Biden's daughter says in the fucking Me Too era. Fuck her. Honestly. Okay, if she can provide some real proof and evidence in a country where the presumption of innocence is, is, is a cornerstone of our American citizenship, then more power to her. 
And with how bad I think they really want Joe Biden out of the way, we better take a real forensic uh, microscope to the evidence that she may bring forward because it might be baked. And even though I would love to see Joe Biden go down, if I allow myself to, to, to clap and applaud if he's taken out by improper and unethical, unjust means, then I'm no better than my opponents. And that's sacred honor, motherfuckers. That's the sacred honor that this country is missing. That's the sacred honor that you motherfuckers are missing. And I'm talking to all you motherfuckers out there who speak on politics. I'm talking to the commentators now. I'm not even talking to the audience. I'm talking to you. Charlie Kirk, I'm talking to you. Don't become the controlled opposition, knowingly or unknowingly. It's the same fucking thing I told Jason Whitlock, and it's not by accident that you two motherfuckers find yourselves at fucking, what, what, what the fuck was it called out there in Phoenix? Well, whatever it was called, I don't know. I don't know. It's a great event. There's a lot of people out there I love, like, that I think are, that are really, but I'm the hatchet, man. I'm not here for fucking kudos. I'm just here to tell it to you the way it fucking is. Do not allow yourself to become the controlled opposition for likes, for traffic, for some presumed benefit of, of, of growing an audience for some future benefit, uh, for, for whatever the fuck your justification is. Don't become the controlled opposition. And to be honest, I've always been a bigger fan of Malcolm X and Dr. Martin Luther King. And, and even furthermore, I think there were many instances where Dr. King was co-opted and used to forward a civil rights agenda that even back then had designs to, to take civil rights and, and, and use it to, to undermine the Constitution or undermine America or undermine our identity or, or aid and abet globalism. I'm open to those conversations. No problem. Just say that. I mean, let's just say that then. We don't have to go, we don't, we, you know, we, we play this game where we have to do what they do. I don't have to discredit an idea like the content of a man's character is, is more important than the color of his skin in order to say that the civil rights movement has been the linchpin of, of the new world order since the 1960s. And if I, if, I can't, if I can't separate the two out, all I'm showing is that my balls are little. And, I, and I'm unwilling to do that because my balls aren't little, so why would I lie on them? I can't speak to some of you. I can't speak on behalf of some of you. But it shows. It shows the lack of courage. And it's not even just a lack of courage, individual courage, individual fortitude, integrity. It's a lack of faith. You don't think that the unadulterated truth will actually bear fruit. And then you wonder why the half-truth, you know, why the half-truth continues to produce losses. I think the unadulterated truth will bear fruit. I have faith in that. And that's what it means to be Christian. And Dr. King may have, may have real holes in his Christian worldview. I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know. We, we live in such a crazy world. It's hard for me to even look at the things that I read from, from, a long, from a long time ago and know what's true and what's not. And our institutions have done that where there's a, there's a, a, a you know, a, a nationwide, a culture-wide skepticism towards, towards history. And some of it is warranted because we know that this history can be manipulated. Because the, most often the history is written by the victors and, and it, the people who win are not always the righteous. And we've lost, we've lost sight of that. We think victory is, is you know, is the, 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 indica the, number, the sole indicator of, of the righteous. 
I'll say it again, real slow, for everybody who doesn't understand. This is a fundamental idea. This is about, this is a fundamental, this is first principles. First principles. It's no more appropriate that I would allow a security state as disgraced as our own here in America and any agency underneath them to provide evidence that would discredit the ideas and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. Let's not even say the legacy, because legacy kind of encompasses everything. The ideas. Allow them to discredit the ideas of a Dr. Martin Luther King. It's no more appropriate I would allow them to do that than I would allow them to discredit Donald Trump, or I would allow, uh, or I would allow them to go back ex post facto and say, your United States citizenship is meaningless. You should become a global citizen. That's on the basis of the security state alone, but on a personal basis, just from, a, from an individual standpoint, I can separate out great ideas from their messenger. I can separate out great ideas from the flaws of their messenger. And that's a, there's a Christian basis for that. Scripture is written by two authors, the divine and the human. Scripture is written by two authors. There's two authors to every piece of Scripture, one divine author and one human author. And since we know that there was no human without sin, except Jesus Christ and in the Catholic view, the Virgin Mary, since there were no humans without sin when it comes to the majority of our Scripture, then all of them were flawed. All of them had sins. All of them had troubles. All of them had tribulations. All of them had personal obstacles they had to overcome. And we don't allow those flaws to discredit their portion of, of Scripture. That's dumb. If you don't get it, you're fucking dumb. And I start to wonder how you even got a big audience in the first place, some of you. And it's not a little thing. And that, that's, my, that's my bigger point. I'm not this upset about it for something little. I don't give a shit, to be honest, about Dr. King's. I don't give a shit. There are people more profound than Dr. King. It's an example. It's an example of how shoddy the intellectual rigor is in our movement from people who have become prominent. It's shoddy. It's shoddy intellectualism. And there's no wonder we're getting holes poked in us from every angle. There's no wonder we got a leaky boat. We got a leaky boat because some of you have no sacred honor. I can separate the flaws of the messenger from the message, which means I can separate the flaws of the messenger from the movement, which means I can participate regardless of if they tell me that Donald Trump had an affair with Stormy Daniels. They actually think that's enough to, to discredit him. The reason why is because they know that his base is a God-fearing base. They know that the evangelicals in Iowa are the backbone of the movement, and they believe they can convince you that he's not the leader, that he's proven himself to be because of his flaws. But that's not the truth of Moses. That's not the truth of David. That's not the truth of, of, of Solomon. That's not the truth of, of Peter or Paul. I told Steve over the weekend, uh, Bannon, I like my leaders with dirt under their fingernails. 
I like my leaders to have dirt under their fingernails. What I can't stand are these mealy-mouthed Manchurian candidates. The mealy-mouthed Manchurian candidates, the mealy-mouthed Manchurian commentators, those are the people that I can't stand. Those are the people that we shouldn't trust. When you, when you, when you walk around like your shit doesn't stink, when, you, when your record doesn't have any blemishes on it, I can't trust a man who's never been. A, I love in the Gotti movie when 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 John Gotti, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with with John Gotti and, and his story or, or or the movies. There was a great movie done um, on John Gotti by HBO with Armand Assant, played Gotti. And if you follow like Michael Francis or some of these other mob guys who tell these old mob stories, it, Michael Francis actually talks about the the mob movies and which ones he felt were the closest to the actual depictions because he was, you know, he's Sonny Francis' son. Uh, he was he was he was in the mob. But but anyway, um, you know, uh, the John Gotti movie, he go he, he says in the earliest moments of meeting Sammy Gravano, here's a guy who's never done any time. Why why would this guy who comes from money, who comes from a a family that 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 was semi well off or affluent Here's a guy, why, why, and I'm not saying anything about Sammy Gravano or the whole situation between them. I don't even want to get into that. That's not the point. The point is he made a, he made a judgment statement that I, a guy who didn't do time in our life, you can't trust. You can't trust him because as soon as he gets in trouble, he, he, he'll rat you out because he doesn't want to have to do the time. And that's exactly what ended up happening in that situation. And I'm not making a case for criminals. What I'm saying is Jesus Christ walked with and, and spoke with and dealt with and healed the poor and the blind and the and the and the the unrighteous and the and, and the prostitutes and the and I'm not saying that we should just accept all of their behavior and sins. What I'm saying is if we can't minister to those people, if we can't offer them con if we can't offer them repentance, then we're not Christians. And in what in what world does Christianity revolve around the little gated community that you've created with other people who think the same as you? We are an evangelical organization. We are an evangelical movement. Christianity is an evangelical movement. It is not a country club. And where the the evangelical Christian movement has become a, a silk stocking country club type of social social gathering is exactly where the Satanists were able to take the country. I'm done with it. I, I'll leave it alone. I'll go to my next clip. I wasn't even meaning to do that. This is the news show. I got about three clips. I want to. I want to show, um, and 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 we'll go from there. One moment. Okay. Here we have uh, the latest World Economic Forum. Make sure that this is set for you guys. The latest economic forum there in, in Davos, um, and, and they openly talk about new world order. And, you know, what I was just talking about is, is the Christians. I'm not, sometimes I go in to talk about to the conservative movement. Sometimes I go and I'm talking to the commentators. Sometimes I'm talking to the people out there who still believe this is all conspiracy theory. There, there, there's layers to, to, to you know, the things I talk about on the show and who I'm actually talking to. This 
is not for the conservative movement or the MAGA movement because we're the only ones who seem to understand the prescient danger of these globalist, omnisexual, scientific, managerial elites and the real danger that they pose. And here they are in the World Economic Forum, Forum openly talking about um, openly talking about New World Order. That order seems to know, know, uh, not be uh, the order anymore. We are on the way to a new order, so we are between orders. Uh, do you agree with that, or are there ways of uh, what are we able to keep on the positive side from the old order to bring into a new world order, and how can we avoid that that new world order uh, becomes like a jungle growing back and we rather uh, have uh, order based on international law and the uh, principles that have brought us prosperity and uh, freedom uh, for decades. I guess and maybe this is the, the old um, kind of teacher in me coming out. I think of this a little bit more about a transition of eras rather than a transition of orders, but the two are kind of cousins of one another. The reason I draw the distinction is because I don't think the international order built after 1945 is getting replaced wholesale with some new order. Um, it will obviously evolve as it, as it has evolved multiple times over the decades since 1945. But I do think in a, in a more sharp and distinctive way, we are moving into a new era. And that's what I talked about in my remarks, that we are, you know, the post-Cold War era has come to a close. We're at the start of something new. We have the capacity to shape what that looks like. And at the heart of it will be many of the core principles and core institutions of the existing order adapted uh, for the challenges that we face today. And there it is, you know, mealy-mouthed, mealy-mouthed, educated, cosmopolitan, neoliberal, neocon, omnisexual, scientific, managerial elites. Right there, live from the, from the party of Davos, from the, the real belly of the beast. And I don't even think that's the belly of the beast. The belly of the beast is right here where, the, where their policies come to bear uh, poisonous fruit. What you're looking at there is the brain of the beast, okay? That's the neural cortex of the beast right there. Now that, that's a better way to put it. I, I'm in the belly of the beast. I'm where all the shit they eat travels through and, and leaves ulcers and all kinds of things in, 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 the, in the stomach lining. That's where I'm at. Here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where we've all but kowtowed to this scientific managerial elite as though their, their expertise has really, really given us some value. It's given us convenience, not to be confused with value. However, that is the neural cortex of the Leviathan right there. And he's telling you. What he's saying is, he, he's telling you the same thing I'm telling you in reverse. He's saying, don't get caught up with all of, the, all of the noise. The signal is, these institutions have always belonged to the New World Order. So to say that there's a New World Order is kind of dumb. They're going to be the same institutions that they've been. It's going to be a new era. We're going to reign for another era. What he's telling you is that World War III was already lost. That World War III was the transition in 1945 to the new world order, and they've reigned supreme since, since then. And now they're just going to solidify their power and, and move on to another era of dominance. That's what he's saying there. Don't get caught up in all that MAGA 
uh, uh, nationalist, libertarian, evangelical, Christian, conservative American talk. Don't get caught up in that shit. That's bullshit. They don't, don't, even, don't even measure it by that. That's not even the right way to think about it. That's what this mealy mouth motherfucker was saying. That ain't the right way to think of it. The right way to think about it is, the, the, the truth of it is, all these institutions were the order. These institutions were the order. They're going to be the order. We, we are the order. So, yeah, we're going to go from we're, the order is going to evolve. That's what he really just said. The, the new world order is going to evolve. You're living in the new world order. And I'm happy that he made that distinction right there from the horse's mouth. You are already living in the new world order, and it's just going to evolve around you. Next clip. Here's Yuval Noah Harari, minute clip. It may not work in the, uh, in, in the, uh, in the video. YouTube may, may copyright it and take it out. But I thought nonetheless, you know what? We're not even going to use the Yuval Noah Harari clip. I'm not even going to use the clip. We're going to move on. This was interesting. I saw the debate between Alex Jones, Greenwald, uh, and, and, and Beatty, and uh, the, the other three Pinocchios, uh, you know, that they, that they had on to, uh, to debate January 6th. And, and let me say this, because this is the other side of the coin, right? January 6th was a riot. It was a riot that got out of control for some people there. But even in how it got out of control, it wasn't that, it wasn't that damaging. I mean, let's just be honest. It was scary, I'm sure, for some people who were there. I mean, any sort of confrontation. We live in such a posh, luxurious lifestyle, modern life here in America. Any type of confrontation is, is, can, be, can be scary for the people who, who are there. Uh, and that, that threshold is becoming lower and lower, as we can obviously see. We become soft as a nation. And, and nothing more an example of that than the United States Congress or the Senate or some of our our, our executive branch members. Um, nothing more evident than their softness. I mean, just their kind of physical frailty, right? I mean, you look at any State of the Union, just look at the State of the Union dress. You look at look at any look look at the thing that went down with McCarthy, where they actually show you the the the, the physical images of of your elected officials, and and just look how soft they look. Look how posh they look. Look how aristocratic they look. They're fat. You know, they're out of shape, um, uh, you know, and, and it shows in their personality. They're disanchored from any real genuine substance. They're often puppets bought and paid for on both sides of the aisle by similar political interests, which means that they haven't really staked out a place on, any, on many issues or where they have staked out a position. It's only staked out because there's an interest for them financially, professionally. This is a this is a type of softness that has that has you know become ensconced in American politics. So of course, when a when a riot breaks out there in the in the in the in the, in the, in the at the Capitol, of course, you know all of these these corrupt congressmen and women are going to cry, the blues, of course. But it was a riot. And I love when Dr. Martin, the reason I played the other America speech the other day was for the, solely for the unique moment where Dr. King said that rioting 
while he still thinks that it's not the best means, that it's, it's, um, that it's self-destructive. But he said, rioting is the voice of the unheard. A riot is the voice of the unheard. Well, it can't only apply to black people. It can't only apply to those who were on the, the side of the political movement that is now aligned with the civil rights, the civil rights movement. Equal application of an idea that good. Because rioting and unrest, social unrest, is, in many cases, the voice of the unheard. Now, the other side of that coin, like I said on, on Monday, there is, there are, uh, there, is, there is violence that is done that, that is just purely wicked and evil. That does exist, and we have to be conscious of that. And we have to have the discernment and pray for the, the, the discernment to separate which violence is coming from the unheard, a genuine unheard grievance, and which violence is coming purely from the wickedness uh, and, 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 and evil uh, of, of Satan. Not an easy distinction to make, and in some cases, Satan is going to try and smuggle uh, uh, what appears to be a, a genuine unheard grievance in before you, and he's going to and he's going to Trojan horse the wickedness with it. And if you think that you're smarter than Satan, well, hey, you've already you've already you've already mistaken yourself. Um, and I love again to last Friday's episode when when. Uh, AJ talked about David saying that God will provide, um, uh, God provides us with a, a, a trap. Uh, what, I, f- I forget what it was again, um, off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Uh, but, but God provides you with obstacles, right? God provides you with the obstacles that into your, that, that, that lead to your retribution. So, you know, it's, it, again, Rioting is the voice of the unheard in some cases. In some cases, and honestly, people should be upset if they genuinely think that the election was not was not legitimate, that it was rigged, that it was stolen. American citizens should be upset. It, it should actually shock us if Americans know the corruption taking place in their elections and they aren't upset. That would be more worrisome for people who actually understand. The, the fundamentals of American citizenship. I'd be more concerned if somebody didn't rally or riot at the Capitol when they think the election is stolen. To be honest, I'd be like, man, nobody, nobody finds this. Right now, we're on the brink of nuclear war. We are on the brink of nuclear war. Iran, you know, launched missiles, struck very near the United States consulate. We're, we're, we're headed towards war with Iran. And, and to be honest, <clears throat> we don't know if Iran has a nuclear weapon or not. And we don't know who's really behind Iran. We think we do. I mean, we know the economic alliance, the Iron Triangle of Iran, Russia, and, and China seems to be obvious. But nothing that's obvious is really obvious anymore because nobody's given more money to China than America. And nobody's giving more money to Iran than China. So ipso facto, there could be some cadre within our own government and political elite that are actually behind Iran, which is seems to be evident evidence-based. I mean, there was a proto-Iranian 
sort of faction, uh, you know, in, in former Democrat um, administrations. Obama's one of them. But we can all go, we can go all the way back to Reagan and the Mujahideen and see that there is, there is, there is America being on all sides of the deal when it comes to the trade taking place there in that part of the world with those different nations and groups. And I only say that to say, again, we're headed towards nuclear war. And I think to myself all the time, why is nobody in this? Where are the anti-war protests? I mean, if you really want to go after Dr. Martin Luther King, the basis to go after Dr. Martin Luther King is a substantial part of the civil rights movement was predicated on an anti-war, an anti-war political worldview that now, looking back, seems that like it was dishonest because many of the people who protested the war then either were maybe are alive, they're probably pretty old now, but, but at least their children, all, none of their children are anti-war. Which means that they didn't emphasize an anti-war worldview on, their, on the next generation, which means that when it comes to political priority, it probably wasn't right up there at the top. At least it wasn't as high as they made it look out there in the public in the streets. Which means that an, a call for anti-war may have been used to forward some other agenda. Because now nobody seems to be anti-war. I, 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 don't, I don't understand how that happened. That'd be a basis to go after Martin Luther King. Now, I don't know if you could really go after Martin Luther King himself because he was an avid anti-war uh, activist when it came to the Vietnam War. Um, but, but certainly, you could go after the legitimacy of the civil rights movement on a, on, you know, on a, on a fundamental basis because none of you who subscribe to the civil rights movement as a, as an icon of of of, of political history are anti-war today. You're all pro-war. And even more even more scary is your pro-nuclear war would appear. You people don't know if Iran has a nuclear weapon. If you couldn't see Hamas rolling up to the front doors of Israel, to the wall of Israel, then you can't convince me that you have sophisticated enough surveillance to know whether or not Iran has a nuclear weapon. And they're not going to use that nuclear weapon on us. If Iran has a nuclear weapon and they're going to use a nuclear weapon, you know who they're going to use it on. We all know who they're going to use it on. It ain't going to be America. So, you know, where are the anti-war movements today? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Moving on. Anyway, this, again, this, I'm, I, I got to show the clip. I'm, I'm, I'm ranting today. But I'm going to show the clip of this debate about January 6th. And again, equal application of the ideas. If, if rioting is the voice of the unheard, then we can't say it only applies to black people during the civil rights movement. That, that's an, that, that is a disingenuous use of, 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 uh, of intellectual ideas. Yeah, there are people who feel unheard, and when 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 they have no when they have no legitimate means, when they feel they have at least when they if they perceive they have no legitimate means to to have those grievances heard, or or to use their citizenship to affect the outcome of of certain processes in in this country, um, you're going to have violence. 
And and the scary part about it is I think the establishment knows that and I think the establishment wants it, just like it would seem in many respects that the establishment was inviting January 6th to, to happen. Certainly when you look at that footage, when, when the, the MAGA extremists, now we see that they were basically led into the building and walked through taking pictures with Capitol Police. Yeah, it draws a lot of questions. But I thought Greenwald explained it the best here in this in this clip uh, from this debate, uh, and and I want you guys to be able to to see it, and then we'll we'll comment on it in a moment. And then the second one is I just want to know, given that the 2020 riots did have a lot of people in there who were nonviolent and were there not for insurrectionary reasons, but had a lot of people who were anarchist and insurrectionist and who engaged in a lot of violence, a lot more than was done on January 6. Do you also think that the the riots of 2020 constituted an insurrection. I'm just trying to understand to get a sense for what your definition of insurrection so, so is. Glenn, Glenn, do you think that the 1992 riots? Can you even answer what I asked? I asked two questions. Can you just answer that? for the. Yeah, I, I can give answers yeah. too. I I don't think that Black Lives Matter was an insurrection. I do think 1992 riots in LA was an insurrection. Uh, George did Herbert Black Walker Bush. What, matter black that made it not an insurrection what did it lack so it was a protest and the violence was when the police clashed with the protesters the the violence was not against the government in order to stop the government from doing something there were there, was, there were an antifa and anarchist groups there that explicitly say they were using violence to overthrow the government that there, didn't happen they were firebombing federal courthouses there, god you're just, that's not true they were there the bombs on the courthouses there's nobody it was at nighttime there's nobody in there they were, they were not obstructing <laughs> the anything. firefighters they got excited arson's a they, serious they crime they were not there to obstruct an official proceeding of a government oh, wait, 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 I just they, burned they, down wait. a courthouse that's really, a, yeah. really. <laughs> Got to love Alex Jones, but but I also really appreciate Greenwald making this important distinction. And if you really, if you, if you go and watch that debate, I thought Beatty had some Beatty, uh, who is uh, in charge of uh, Revolver, and is a common, you know, all of you that that watch War Room know who uh, who Beatty is, and you know he had some incredible moments in the in the debate as well. Um, the left in in that debate, the left just comes from a the the guys on the left. <clears throat> The guys from the left's point of view in the debate all come from the starting place that that the government is not corrupt, which shows you who the who the anti-establishment movement is today. They start from the premise that all all politics, all legal proceedings, all court proceedings, all government government uh, function is is legitimate and to never be obstructed by we the people. They don't believe in the Constitution. They don't believe in the Constitution. They think the Constitution is a relic of the past that is now only something to, to loosely reference when, when uh, you know, consolidating and entrenching the current power of the neoliberal, neocon world order. Which is what the guy told you from the World Economic Forum. <laughs> Many of these institutions are going to be the same. They're going to evolve, and that's what they're basically saying during this debate uh, a number of times. But in this specific example, <clears throat> I thought it was so dishonest to say that the Black Lives Matter, first of all, I didn't think the Black Lives Matter protests were an insurrection either because I'm not soft. I'm not a pussy. Only a pussy would, would elevate uh, 
either January 6th or Black Lives Matter protests to the le- to to the level of of insurrection. Um, and in the in this debate, a number of times, these three guys, you know, who just talk a certain way. Let's just be honest; they got that beta male tone to their voice, that low testosterone tone to their voice. Uh, these three guys, on a number of occasions, tried to elevate January 6th to the level of Pearl Harbor, 9-11, and the Civil War, okay? And I want to say something about this. It speaks volumes. It speaks volumes that people who would come and debate from the left's point of view would try and elevate January 6th to the level of three, three tragedies in American history that had substantial human death. And what it shows is humans, humanity, life, and death is not to these people what it is to us, which says something further about the argument they're making about the danger of democracy and insurrection and anything to begin with. But I, I thought that was so strange. It's almost as to say that the death component, the human, the, the human loss of life, the loss of human life in those three tragedies, be it Pearl Harbor, uh, 9-11, or, or the Civil War, that the loss of, of human life is not the metric that, that, actually, that actually speaks to the severity or the gravity of those situations. This is anti-human. I hope you all understand. This is anti-human. When you say that January 6th is no different than these three events, besides the, the, the blatant difference in loss of human life and casualty, what you're really saying is that the human life isn't the, the important part. The important part is are the, the, political, uh, the political implications. And that tells you when these people say Black Lives Matter or or the Me Too movement or 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 whatever it is, whatever identity politics they're using, it's all a means. It's it's all a, to an end, and it just and it justifies the means. It has nothing to do with those people. It has nothing to do with their prosperity. It has nothing to do with their well being. It has nothing to do with their life, with protecting them. You can't elevate January 6th to the level of the Civil War. Hundreds of thousands of Americans lost their lives in the Civil War, during the Civil War. Thousands of Americans lost their lives in, in, you know, during 9-11 and at Pearl Harbor. Or World War II in general, if you want to take the whole war, you know, as, as, you know, as, a, as a part of the, the story of Pearl Harbor. So you can't elevate January 6th to that level. To do it is obnoxious. It's just, it's just corny. It's pussy. It's, it, it, it's soft. But it's not soft. And, and it's not just pussy. It's not just, dis, it's not, it's not just corny. It's dishonest. It's intellectually dishonest. And they know it's dishonest. They know it's dishonest. They, they, they know it's dishonest. And furthermore, what they're really doing is pitching to you. Without you knowing it, this is how Satan works. They're they're making a pitch right there. The pitch is, we don't have to define the severity or gravity of of situations based on the loss of or preservation of human life, because human life is secondary. 
Human life is tertiary. This is an afterthought. It's not about how many people live and die because we ourselves promote agendas that would obviously be, be catastrophic to human life. We talk about there being a population problem, so we can't in good conscience argue that January 6th reaches the level of insurrection in alignment with these other three American tragedies being the Civil War, Pearl Harbor, 9-11. We can't argue that those things reach a level of gravity and severity based on the loss of human life because we're promoting anti-human politics. We're promoting a future, an evolved version of New World Order that has less to do with living beings, living humans. And they think they can argue both things at the same time. They think they can make you afraid that white supremacy wants to kill you, the, the black person, or you, the minority, or you, the non-Christian. They want to kill you, and they, you think they're going to protect you from those people? Let's say those people are actually out there, which there are some out there. Don't get me wrong. There's some people that want to kill people regardless, just for no reason. Violence, evil, wickedness is out there. Let's agree that that's out there. You think that these three mealy mouth motherfuckers are going to protect you from that? They love that. They love that. They love to show up to the scene after a black man's already been shot by a cop so they can use it for their political agenda. They don't give a shit. They love when two they love when two black people shoot each other in the street. A dead black man is worth way more to them than a, than one that's alive. A dead black baby is worth way more to them than one that's alive and that's the real crooks of the racism that dominates American politics today. January 6 reaches the level of the civil war to a bunch of anti-humanists. To a bunch of people who have anti-worldviews, I guess it does. You have, no, you have no sanctity of life. Final clip here. I just want to show you. This is what we're up against. And I, you know, you know I, hate to, I hate to fear monger. I'm not here to fear monger. Um, you, know you know I hate to do that. But what I'm trying to show you is the, uh, the, the sort of grassroots impetus, the grassroots momentum that's happening there in the Middle East in some of these countries is something that America isn't even, isn't even conditioned for. And we better find that. I mean, we better find... I'm not calling for revolution or uprising or violence. I think we are one-tenth through... We, we are at one-tenth capacity in, in our political par participation. When we get to 10 tenths and when we exhaust every option, then we can talk about further, further, uh, you know, further strategies. But we're not even at one tenth capacity of our political participation. We're busy jerking off to the next conservative commentator who comes up and tells you some bullshit story. That's the reality. PrecinctStrategy.com, get your ass in the Republican Party. If you're black, get your ass in the Republican Party. Caucuses in Minnesota, February 27th and in February, find out how to get to your local caucus and go caucus for your own, your own citizenship. Go caucus America first to save this country so you can save and preserve your own citizenship, your own rights. 
And if you black people think the Republican Party is racist, I'm not saying there's not racist people in the Republican Party. What I'm saying is by you being in the Republican Party, are you going to vote on your own behalf? Because our, our political structure gives you the opportunity to do so. I've been at the town halls. I've been at the congressional district uh, conventions where they, where they take a, a, a vote by show of hands. Well, get your motherfucking hands in that room. Represent yourself. That's, that's, that's American. Don't let boogeymen scare you to, to, to death, to, to scare you into submission. But you, what should scare you, what should scare you is this. And, and it shouldn't scare you so much that you go vote for a Nikki Haley so we go into a forever war. But it, it, should, it should start to concern you that in other parts of the world, they can get millions of people out in the street. And we can't even get a couple thousand for an anti-war protest. Now, what you're, what you're looking at there, for those that are listening and, and aren't able to see, what you're hearing is what looks to be uh, a crowd of maybe 100,000 people or more. Now, it said millions, but, you know, people like to exaggerate the numbers. I've been a part of big crowds uh, many times. I've been a part of big crowds many times, and uh, it looks like there's at least 100,000 people out there probably a little bit over, maybe a couple hundred thousand people. And um, a couple hundred thousand people is a lot. A couple hundred thousand. And what, what, they're, what they're saying is a lot of these countries in the Middle East, a lot of these Arab nations are no different than us. They'll use whatever they need. They'll use political narrative. They'll use faith. They'll use religion. They'll use whatever they need to use to organize and, and, and move people towards their own political agenda. Same way we, we're doing here. Same way the neoliberals are doing here. Same way the Marxists and communists are doing here. Same way the neocons are doing here. Wrapping themselves in, in, in Christ and wrapping themselves in the religious right to justify their holy war against the Muslims or, or whatever the case. Everybody's playing the same game. <clears throat> and what these Muslims are saying or what these Arabs are saying or what these Yemenis are saying or uh, these Iranians are saying is we, we as a nation, we as a people, we have an unheard voice. We have an unheard grievance. We've got the shit into the stick from this, this world order that's existed since 1945. And now it's time for us to prepare to rise up and, and change, change the deal. Now, I don't, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that looks like. We may be forced into a war. 
I'm not saying that war is off the table, obviously. We may be forced into a war, but we have to understand, even if we have to go fight a war and we win that war, we better damn well understand the ramifications or implications of that war. We better damn well understand what led to that war so we don't do it again. And I understand, I get it. There's a, there's a certain part of it that's just about security. There's a certain part of it that's just about security. And you're always going to have enemies and you're always going to have people who want to kill you. You're always going to have people who, who, who think differently than you. You're always going to have rival tribes. And it's, it's, it has to been the way since, you know, time immemorial. We just can travel a little further now. We can see a little more. We can see a little more out there over the horizon. We're aware, we're conscious of a, of a much bigger world than we ever have been in human history. So we think, for the most part, let's say. You know, so I, I get it. I get it. There will always be wars. <coughs> what are those wars fought for is what we have to ask ourselves. What ideas are we fighting for? Just because we go to war doesn't mean that the outcome is going to be a, a, a victory in the name of the ideas we believe in. And the war we're about to fight right now, if we're going to fight it, we're already fighting the war. Let's just be clear about it. We're already at war. We're at war with Russia. We're at war with China. We're at war with Iran. It's on. The question is, the rightful question is, um, if we fight, if we fight this war, who are we really fighting on behalf? Who's, who's in a position to benefit from the war? Are the Christians going to benefit? Are the conservatives going to benefit? Are you the American citizens going to benefit? QE Bono, who benefits? Right now, given the political structure that we have in this country and all throughout the West, the same anti-human global elite, scientific managerial global elite, are in the position to benefit. It's their world order that continues. It's their world order that will evolve if we're able to defeat our enemies. And so we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Do we preserve America or do we let it fall? Well, the, the tough choice is, is, is threading, threading the needle somewhere in the, in the fine, fine middle. We have to preserve this country, but we also can't allow a world war to take place, if we can help it, a world war to take place that benefit and evolves and adds gasoline and accelerates the agenda of the new world order. And threading that needle ain't going to be easy. And I think Donald Trump is a first very important step to threading that needle. But threading that needle ain't just going to happen over four years. It's going to take 10 to 15 years to thread that needle. And we don't even know how that's going to look yet. That's why I loved when Donald Trump was, uh, you know, I'm going to talk to North Korea. Uh, I'm going to talk to Putin. I got to hear it from, I got to talk to these people for myself. Because I can't trust all you mealy mouth educated motherfuckers to tell me the truth. And they showed you, and they showed you that there's a deep level of dishonesty spread throughout the administrative state because they were, they were offended at the very idea that he would even entertain some of these world leaders who have been considered persona non grata. But I'm sitting there and applaud. I'm, I'm sitting there applauding, going, yeah, 
Yeah, it makes sense that you would go hear it straight from the horse's mouth. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not listening to you fucking, you, 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 you fucking security state, uh, you know, state department, uh, you know, whoever you, uh, agents, asset. I'm not listening to you all to tell me what, what they said or what the danger is. I want to talk to the man himself. Set the meeting up. That's old school. That's old school. We need some old school. Then we, we need a little bit more old school. <clears throat> some people would say I'm like the boomer whisperer. Why? Because I hang out with boomers. I hang out with older people. Some people would say I have an old soul. I talk like an older, like I'm not, I'm 32 years old. But I grew up around older individuals. I spent a lot of time around older individuals. So my, my insight and the way I think about things has a, 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 an older, an older spirit to it. We need some old school. I don't want to hear what you all, Atlanticists, European Atlanticists, party of Davos, NATO shills are telling me about Putin. I'm going to talk to the man. Now, does that mean I can trust everything he says? No. Does that mean I have to trust him at all? No. But I want to talk to the man. I want to look him in his eyes. Xi Jinping, I want to talk to the man. I want to look him in his eyes. The leader of Hezbollah or whoever, I want to talk to the man, look him in the eye. Even that, you know, even that some, some people, some people don't understand that some stuff is just bluffing, woofing. Some stuff is just, you know, for theater. Oh, death to America. Oh, okay. Okay, how you gonna achieve that? Oh, you just talking, man. You ain't, you ain't really, you ain't really about that shit. That's how it go in the streets. You know how many people, you know how many times people threaten each other to life in the streets? Man, I'll, man, I'll shoot you. Oh, okay. Well, you got your gun on you now? Or is this a future tense threat? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's right. Oh, okay. Oh, what, 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 why are you so angry, man? What, 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 what's the real, what's the real situation? What you, what's you so, so, so upset about? What's going on, man? Well, let, let's talk about the shit before it real, before it really gets gangster. And you'd be surprised how many people really don't want to go to the most gangster level out of, out of pure selfishness and self-preservation. And that's why Iran, if they have a nuclear weapons, ain't shot that motherfucker off yet. Out of self-preservation. And the same goes for Russia and China and America and Israel and, and you know, Germany or Great Britain or whoever. Everybody has a sense of self-preservation. So everybody right now needs to take a step back, gather themselves understand what the implications are if we go forward with a world war and ask themselves, is, is whatever the grievance is really worth it? Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Certainly we've had two wars before where it was worth it to everybody. It's funny is you come out of those wars and, and, and who benefited? Who benefited from World War I? Who benefited from World War II? What was the outcome? What changed? And this, and this adds credence to what I said before. See, we have, we have evidence. We have a historical basis to, to go back and look and, and, and look at the result and then infer the motive. Was the motive of World War I or World War II really to stop the scourge of, of, of death, of tyranny? Was it really to preserve culture or nations? Or did it end up just being a, a, an acceleration of new world order? Certainly the World Economic Forum thinks so. Certainly the World Economic Forum has, has identified that 1945 
was the beginning of what is referred to as the new world order, and now they're going to evolve into a further world order. Not going to change the institutions. Not going to change the core beliefs and values. It's neocon neoliberalism. This has been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio, powered by our first sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement. And that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you. Now, I'm your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota. This is episode 155. I hope you were able to catch the Royce White radio show at 8 p.m. Eastern today um, on the John Fredericks Radio Network. If you didn't, we'll be posting that on the Royce White USA YouTube channel. So you can go back and listen to the, the radio show. That won't happen until the morning after the show airs. So if you're wondering, if you if you listen to the show today live on the radio, it will not be available on YouTube until the following morning. Um, so that's, that's just how we're working that, to keep things organized properly. But I hope you had a chance to listen to the radio show. Um, visit freepeopleradio.com to find out where you can watch and listen to this podcast and others as well as visit our store. You can buy merchandise and things like that to support the movement. We got great T-shirts and hoodies and sweatshirts and whatnot, Godspeed and Cuck Slayer, a bunch of other good stuff. Um, So visit the store, freepeopleradio.com, hit the store tab, or you can go to freepeopleradio.store directly, uh, and and that'll give you access to all the merchandise as well. RoyceWhite.us, the Senate site. Please go to the Senate site. Uh, find out more about what I'm running on against Amy Klobuchar here in Minnesota. Donate if you can, obviously. Sign up, subscribe to the newsletter so that you can join the email list. We're going to have a lot of information going out in in the near future about caucuses and the precincts and how to be involved uh, in in the primaries, not only in Minnesota, but all across the country. So stay tuned for that. What else? If you're listening to the podcast, we appreciate you on the the, any of the the, the, the audio platforms, <clears throat> Apple, Amazon, Google Play, uh, what's the other one? Spotify, and iHeartRadio. We're on all five of those platforms. <clears throat> January 27th will be the premiere of the Royce White Show. The Royce White Show will be premiering on Real America's Voice on Saturday morning after War Room, I believe. That is the plan. Um, that show will also end up being on YouTube at, uh, will be posted on YouTube on the Royce White USA YouTube channel, not this YouTube channel. So the Royce White show is going to be a once a week show that I do in, in partnership with Real America's Voice, um, serve as my Saturday evening show that I've been talking about for a while now. Uh, I'm happy that Real America's Voice is the, the the platform that I'm able to partner with in order to, to make the Royce White show happen. Uh, so look for that in the coming weeks. That's January 27th, the premiere of that along the way. Please listen to the radio show every night if you get a chance. It happens right before the podcast, so you can listen to both if you want. I know that's a lot of, of, of me to, to be talking, but uh, I'm happy to have the opportunity to, to spread my wings and speak to more people and get the message across. So we appreciate you, the audience, and the chat. If you're in the live chat, please leave a real comment. You may not think it matters, but I see a lot of people in the live chat every single episode. Uh, and then the, the comments or the views. First off, we know we're being throttled by YouTube. It, it goes without saying. We don't care about that. 
we know we know how many people are listening to the show. We know how many people are watching the show. We know how many people are influenced by the show and, and, and see the show. We hear it. We get the feedback. We don't care about the numbers. This ain't a numbers game. This is about influence. This is about signal from the noise. This is about substance. And we know YouTube is throttling the channel. We don't care about that. It's gonna Everything will work itself out. Believe me. We can tell. One of the ways we can tell is the live chat will have hundreds of people in it. And then it, and when the student's show is over, it'll say only 15 people have viewed the show. <laughs> I mean, YouTube's not even doing a good job by their own by their own metric. I mean, if they're going to do that, just keep people out of the live chat so it's it matches up with the number of views that you show. But I mean, you know, they're they're so big, they're so big, they're too dumb to know the mistakes they're making. Um, but hey, I, I've been I've been uh suspended three times on YouTube. I've been threatened to get, to be banned. You know, I had Alex Jones on. My Alex Jones interview was taken down. Alex Jones has a uh, th this debate is on YouTube right here and it's up for everybody to go see. I guess I guess I'm special. I guess when you get the the, the young smash mouth populist black guy with Alex Jones, you know, the the the, the matrix starts to crack and, and fold a little too much for the establishment's liking. So um but if you are on the YouTube channel and you are in the live chat, please leave a real comment, fight the algorithm. Uh, like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Please go like and subscribe to Professor Penn's podcast as well. Uh, we look forward to having him here on the show this Friday for our family and friends guest episode. More Hebrews action. Um, that sounded a little. That sounded a little sketchy. More from the Hebrews, not more Hebrews action. Hebrews action is crazy, but more from the Hebrews this this Friday. Um, the great Professor Penn, who's a wealth of knowledge. I hope you're watching his podcast as well. Um, so that's it for me, guys. I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate your viewership and listenership today and in the future. And my parting shot is uh, don't, don't become the controlled opposition. I mean, we need every we need all hands on deck now more than any time in history. Don't become the controlled opposition. Don't let stupidity, pure and utter stupidity, back you into a corner. I mean, where you look around and you, and you don't know you don't know which way is up. It's easy to have happen. Trust me, I see it. Right now, Jason Whitlock is somewhere, you know, worried about what the latest thing Stephen A. Smith said. I couldn't give, I could give a flying fuck about what Stephen A. Smith has to say, what Jason Whitlock has to say, what, what Shannon Sharp has to say. I like what Cat Williams had to say because I think it's a little more real and raw than any th than all three of them combined. I don't, I don't care what the commentators have to say. When we're on the verge of nuclear war, when we're on the verge of war with Iran, and people got to get serious right now about what the implications of this stuff is. I'm happy to see Donald Trump won in Iowa. The people of the great state of Iowa, my my alma mater, the great Iowa State, Ames, Iowa. I'm sure turned out in in, in great fashion uh, on behalf of President Donald Trump. I'm happy to see that Iowans have voted for their own citizenship, their own well-being and self-governance. It's a sign of good things to come. Hope to see Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley bow out, but I'm sure the establishment money uh, is still long enough to support them staying in the race a while longer. I'm happy to see Vivek Ramaswamy jump on the, you know, uh, on the Trump campaign. Well, not the Trump campaign, but I'm glad to see 
that he was at the Trump rally and supported Donald Trump's presidency from for 2024. He's dropped out of the race, but he's got a future in politics. And everybody, nobody's destination is 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 uh, static, is final. It's great to see that Kerry Lake was at the rally. Donald Trump gave a big shout out to Kerry Lake. We love Kerry Lake here in the War Room Posse. Shout out to you, the War Room Posse. A lot of this victory belongs to you. You are the steadfast backbone of the movement. You are the intellectual juice of the movement. You are the signal from the noise. Never, never think that your contribution, that your work, that your effort goes unnoticed. It's noticed by the party of Davos. It's noticed by the, the mainstream media industrial complex and all the talking heads of the Uniparty there in D.C. They know that Steve Bannon and the War Room Posse and the War Room Movement is the intellectual rigor, is the intellectual juice that undergirds the MAGA, the MAGA threat. And, and we love that. We wear that as a badge of honor. So we appreciate everybody there at the War Room, Grace Chong, Maureen Bannon, the great Steve Bannon, and, and the whole crew. Um, we appreciate you out there in the audience. Donald Trump 2024, it's on now. It's on now. It's, it, it's getting exciting. When I find clips that Yuval Noah Harari says, if Donald Trump wins, it could be the end of globalism. <laughs> um, the fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. And as always, God speak.